Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you, in partnership with Mask Republic, the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to Lucha-Masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Welcome to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions like AAA and CMLL and top independents, along with luchador-related news in U.S.-based promotions like WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, MLW, and more. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the Lucha Central Podcast Network are available on LuchaCentral.com and all major podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Podbay, Speaker, and iHeartRadio. I'm Miranda Morales, one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And yes, this is a team effort. Go team! <laughs> and, I have two amazing co-hosts that uh, go on this journey with me every single week. So let's bring them in. The first one is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how's it going? Uh, it's going fantastic. How are you, Miranda? I'm good. Don't you feel so peppy after that? Just, just pep oh, it up. Oh boy, yeah, it did. Yeah, Started out high energy, right? Yeah. We got, starting we got hot. to this. <laughs> starting hot, starting hot, out right high out of the energy. gate. Because mm-hmm. that's how we do it on the Lucha Central podcast, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, weekly podcast. Um, that is part of the Lucha Central podcast network. Uh, shout out to to those people, everyone, all of us. On there. Um, and along with Dusty, we have who? 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 That is Brendan Barr. Brendan, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? Uh, this, this maybe this five hour energy drink is finally kicking in because yeah, now I got I a lot of pep in my step. Yes, right. Um, my, uh, I, I hope guess. so. I, I I'm not gonna do any name dropping, but I have I have a nice uh, green can over here that's keeping me going. Oh, okay. That's that's true. Yes. And I don't even have like I have a generic five energy five hours, so and they're all thinking that they were about I mean, you're welcome to sponsor this um yeah. this show. Uh any kind of energy drink uh that we can test and also mm-hmm. get for free. Um yes. we'll support. <laughs> we will 
we support free things. Yes, right. Yes, we support free things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're we're easily bribed. And, we <laughs> and we're easily free bribed. Things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really you know. Is, is that too much to ask for? I feel like it's just it's it's really simple. We don't yeah. ask for a lot. Just just, just free a little things. grease for the wheels. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How do you think we got? We do this every single week. Myself, Dusty, Brendan, <laughs> we bring you all of the latest news and events in Lucha Libre, and we got to have something that fuels us each and every week. Oh, it's true. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And you know what? This week's episode, we got a lot to share with all of you. Of course, uh, our mm-hmm. usual rundown of WWE events, including SmackDown, Raw, and NXT. But this was a very big week for AEW with All Out. Of course, to their weekly, uh, they had two episodes of Dark, actually, in the time span of last week's episode. They had a Friday night edition and a Tuesday edition of Dark. Of course, Dynamite as well, and reviewing all of that. Plus, we have a very special interview uh, later on in the show uh, with Michael Patz, uh, the director of the new documentary, Nail in the Coffin, The Fallen Rise of Vampiro, and of course, Ian Hodgkinson himself, the man known as Vampiro. Myself and Dusty Murphy were able to uh, speak with uh-huh. Michael and Ian uh, last week to talk about the documentary, uh, talk a little about Lucha Libre, and of course, anything that's involving ba- Vampiro, you know, well, you, you never actually know what to expect. You, you know you're in for a ride. Yeah. That's yeah. You know you're in for a ride. Uh, yeah. And we were something in, new and interesting. That's what we're going to say. Very yeah. <laughs> interesting. Uh, yes. And especially with the, the director, Michael Patz, of this um, this documentary, a big fan of Lucha Libre, uh, which was a, a very mm-hmm. big influence, I think, in the documentary. And so we got to talk to both of them, um, who really grew up as outsiders in the world of Lucha Libre, but both being fairly integrated in their careers. So um, that interview will be later on in the show. So stay tuned. Uh, but of course, I mean, we got to start off with the road back to shows with Brendan. Hey, uh, so we're going to do, I wanted to do something a little different this week. Um, yes, Mexico City still is, is orange. Um, I, but I, we have, we have uh the PWI 500 happened two weeks ago, I believe now, and we kind of procrastinated on it. And I wanted to kind of use this as a as a look to the future to see what we can expect from some of these big names. So uh, uh, Lucha Central put out a list of all of the luchadors that were in this PWI 500. Now, we're not going to bury the lead. We're going to start with all the way up at number 18 in the PWI 500 is uh, Ring of Honor and AAA's star Roosh. Uh-huh. Uh, un- undeniably worthy of being so high in the ranking. Oh, so cool. Yeah. So, so hot right now. And, Very big and, year last year as yeah. well. Incredibly yeah. Incredibly exactly. big. Yeah. And that's going to be an important thing to remember as we go through the list of people is that it was about last their performance last year because uh, at first I had some reactions. Why is this person in this spot? And then I remembered, oh, it's based on what they did over the year. Um, yeah, so our next one at number 27 was Andrade. 
as we as we now know him in the WWE, and potentially that's a little high based on the way they've been using him. But I'm happy with that very generous placement. Agreed. Um, <laughs> and then at number 34, we have Ring of Honor star Bandito. Um, uh, he had a great phenomenal last year as well. I mean, uh, uh, you're going to hear these names a lot, so I'm just going to call it out now. The uh, the the Lucha faction in Ring of Honor are all on this list, and it's mm-hmm. all incredibly well deserved because they yes. did so much with the with the the that they were given, and uh, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, they really did. They they grabbed that brass ring to hear <laughs> mm-hmm. You yeah. know, they they really did. They, and, yeah. and at this time, most of the champions in Ring of Honor are luchadors, which is very yes. unheard of in a, in a U.S.-based promotion. So I know you, as you go on the list, a lot of these Ring of Honor stars are, are fairly high-ranked. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's because of the presence that Ring of Honor has put on, on Lucha Libre and these particular luchadors. So uh, I, yep. I think that's good kudos to Ring of Honor um, mm-hmm. and in the utilization of, of luchadors in the promotion. Yeah, I'm just going to jump ahead. Uh, 76 and 79 are Dragon Lee and Dragon Lee and Rios. So, I mean, still top 100 for three mm-hmm. of those guys. Um after after Bandito, we have the uh, number forty three is the King of Mystery, Rey Mysterio. So um, you can you can discuss whether he had a great year or not, but he's always going to be really high on this list until mm-hmm. the year he retires or or dies in the ring. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's hope it's That's the first. So- Right, I don't really want to be Joe Juju to put down on Ray. Yeah, that's I'm not going to wood. Just let a. I have some water here. I need to. Yeah, I need some water somewhere. Just all I want about is he never wants to retire. So uh, every time I think that maybe it's time for him to retire, he reinvents himself. So I don't want it to happen, but uh, it seems like he's just going to keep going until he absolutely cannot anymore. So I look forward to many more years seeing him on the PWI 500. Um, then we have our first CL wrestler at number 50, Ultimo Guerrero. Um, you, yeah. can't, you, know, you can't really say anything negative about this placement. Number 50, he's in the top 100. Yeah, uh, and he is the only pure Mexico luchador yeah. in the yeah. top 100. Everybody yeah. else has some form of United States representation. Mm-hmm. And so that is a big deal to to you know be in that placement. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go. Is that the, yeah he's he's uh, a CML only wrestler. Uh, he's and to be that high in the PWI 500 because I mean it is an American magazine which sells to American fans. Uh, that that says a lot. It's um, so lots of respect to him. Uh, 52 and 74 are the Lucha Brothers, Ray Phoenix at 52 and Pentagon Jr. at 74. Uh, they are, yeah, AEW and and AAA. I was really surprised that Pentagon was ranked lower than Phoenix. You know, Uh, I think of him as the kind of the hotter, you know, more interesting, um, visually of the pair. Oh, well, uh, so I can, I can make an assumption here uh phoenix does more 
crazy visually stunning things in a match. Like he will bounce off of those ropes like nobody's business. That's true. He'll, he'll fly through the air. I mean, he's he is much more uh, casual friendly to to put it in a. I mean, I, and I don't mean to be like a, a knock on on the high flying style, but it's no. I, I know for, exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's yeah. more accessible for the casual fan. Like the that's yeah. not already a big fan of Lucha Libre. It's so impressive in what it, it is. Yeah, I, I guess mm-hmm. I kind of take that for granted and kind of forget that yeah. viewpoint. Well, and uh, according to PWI, as far as the criteria that they use uh, in order mm-hmm. to establish this list, it encompasses win-loss records, championships won, quality of competition, major feuds, prominence within a wrestler's promotion or promotions, and overall wrestling ability. So that ability, you know, is one factor. Um, but I think, you know, and again, I don't know ultimately how they, how all of those stack up in the overall rankings, but those are just the criteria that they use. So um, as, as much as I think that there's a personality uh, difference in uh, Pentagon and kind of more just this, uh, uh, attraction visually of like wow he's just more eye catching uh-huh. that apparently is not a criteria <laughs> that's fair I uh, you know so maybe it could be uh, in the future but you know yeah all right so moving ahead again so we uh, as I jumped ahead we had Dragon Lee and and Ray Orus. And then at 91, still in the top 100, is Umberto Carrillo. Yeah, that's the, really impressive yeah. for him. Yeah, that's yeah. high. I have to, I'm just going to say, I, we're all thinking, that's fairly high. <laughs> for some really high. I'm, I mean, I think he's had a lot more visibility on TV uh, over this mm-hmm. over this year, because I know this is like a June to June list, I believe. So June of uh, last year to June of this year. Um, so, I mean, I feel, but again, if they're looking at say major feuds, uh, prominent of those things, I mean, anyone in WWE automatically gets a little bit of a leg up because you're in the world's biggest wrestling company. So yeah, exactly. you get way more exposure out of them, but I, mm-hmm. I mean, he had, he did have some really good, based on the criteria you were listing, he had good quality of opponents and he had good matches when he was down in NXT. Yeah. So uh, you, you do have to keep that in mind. That, uh, NXT, where they let wrestlers really wrestle, mm-hmm. um, he had he had the, the, a lot of what made the criteria for pushing him up on this list. Yeah. And the same thing with the next guy at 109 is Angel Garza. He had he's probably that high based on the quality of things he did in NXT versus when he moved up to the quote unquote main roster. Um, guy's the limit for him. I'm expecting him oh, to yeah. next year. Like even even without even with this crazy feud that he's in right now that seems to be eternal and not going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> I I feel like he's going to crack the top 100 if that's even if that's the only thing he gets all year. Because I mean we enjoyed it for the most part. I still don't. Oh yeah. On TV. No, he's still so magnetic and. Charismatic yeah. and his ring work is incredible. I guess we've proven that charisma doesn't necessarily matter, but his ring work <laughs> is incredible. Um, the spots with the tearaway pants are always a highlight of the match. And so yeah. I feel like that's, I mean, it's funny, but it's true. It's and, so true. Yeah. And 
been like, yeah, you if, know what kind of angel you're getting. If, if being visually stimulating was a actual criteria, he would be higher on this list. Let's just let's Absolutely. just call that. Let's just call it for yeah. what it is. Yeah, no, he's kind of the champ of visually stimulating. There's just <laughs> always always something going on. Um, so, and then 146 and 149 are LA Park and he ho to LA Park from MLW and all around the Lucha scenes. Um, I, uh, this is kind of a story of two things They're, they are related. So, uh, and they are performing a lot together. So I can see how he ho got kind of pulled up with him with LA Park, but, uh, right. you know, it, it, uh, it it seems like he got a lot of uh, draft from his. Father. Yeah, <laughs> that is a great way to phrase it. <laughs> uh, and then one eighty eight is Drago from AAA. Who uh, I mean, uh, if we hadn't had COVID and all of the madness that was going on there, I think we'd be talking a lot more about him right now. He was I do too on, on the verge of really breaking out. Uh, at, and that's saying a lot because he was one of the more magnetic personalities in Lucha Underground. So, you know, there were already a lot of eyes on him. And I think he was about to, to hit an even bigger level with that. Uh, 194 is Flamita, also from Ring of Honor. So, like, the first one of those guys that's not in the top 100. And, I mean, it's all, it really seems to only be a case of... Well, who are you going to bump from the top 100 to put him down there? So yeah. uh, <laughs> he's he's done a lot too. I think he's uh, hasn't had as many singles matches, which may be part of why he didn't uh, he didn't jump up higher. But, uh, another one to keep an eye on. He's probably going to jump up even higher next year. 196 was Aerostar from AAA, the man who has not found a stupid jump he won't take. <laughs> Um, I, I, I love the guy. I just, uh, really always in fear every time he's in the ring that he's going to make a crazy jump. And that will be the last time I see him. Cause oh. <laughs> I mean, you've, we, uh, for those who aren't familiar while he's in Mexico, he has found scaffolding, light rigs. Um, you know, we used to talk about new Jack back in the day, Jack balconies and he's finding yeah. That are higher and much more dangerous than those the things. The display, like the screen display above the ring, yeah, anything. Yeah. Uh, then we we drop down to the two hundreds and we get to Hernandez from Impact Wrestling. Uh, and this, I have to say, it surprised me because I haven't seen Hernandez do very much in Impact. Uh, I haven't either. Like literally the most I've seen, like most of this year, he's just been fighting Rhino for a wad of money. <laughs> um back and forth so and i'm not sure really what what there was before that so um unless he was doing things that like we didn't see on impact or in other promotions i don't know but um yeah that's that kind of surprised me that he was so high on this list so so uh i can say from the couple things that i've seen he's had some as far as it, indie wrestling goes, he's had some high-profile indie matches. So he did, um, I believe he did something at uh, the well, Indie Mania last year and a couple other things that were, were high-profile and, and big names and got a lot of big reaction. But uh, Fair enough. Hey. Uh, well, 
That's true. I mean, I mean, if they were able to track all that down and justify it, yeah. I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah, well, I uh, uh, that's near as I can tell. That's where it's coming from. But I, I'm only second second guessing that too because it is a little surprising based on you know what the mainstream is seeing, which is as you mentioned is the uh, eternal feud with Rhino, which is entertaining. Don't get me wrong, but um, I don't know if that puts him in the top 200 of a 500 list. Uh, but here's here's the one everyone is is expecting me to have a lot of things to say on number two eighteen, yeah. Doctor Wagner Jr. And I absolutely think this is way too low. Of course. Oh my uh, gosh, way low. <laughs> the fact that Hernandez is higher than Doctor Wagner Jr. Let's yeah. Discuss. Yeah. Let's discuss. Well, and and the year that he's had the feuds that he's had in this year because he's to that point now where he's only taking like really mega star engagements. He like, yeah. uh, unless it's to put his kids over, he he's uh, only doing a show where he's in the main event against a big name. And uh, I mean, like the feud with uh, blue demon, which is why he's not in, not retired despite the fact that he said he would retire is, is always, always a huge draw. So yeah. And a great match every time, every time terrifying. <laughs> the, hammer, the hammer was absolutely terrifying, and then the giant brick at the end of the, the oh, yeah, yeah the center block thing yeah <laughs> with it looked like rebar sticking out of it. I don't know. If <laughs> else. Yeah, uh, I mean, so yeah, in a simple simple form, I felt like the year he had uh, did deserve to be a little higher than the high two hundreds, but. Again, some of the names that are above him, it's it's really hard to to argue with. So only Hernandez do I think maybe they could have bumped him up a little higher. <laughs> uh, and then uh, a this one surprises me in that uh, it tells me that CWI guys are watching CMLL a lot more closely because Mario Cavanario got in at 242, and he's kind of a guy that uh, even on CMLL programming will kind of slip under the radar, but quietly have very good matches. Um, they they finally started putting him high up on the card this year, which may be why he did so well, but uh, he's, uh, you know... Yeah, he's, he's not, a fantastic talent. Yeah, he's but he's, to my point, though, he's not the... He's the, the guy that shows up every week to work, so you don't always think, man, I'm really excited to see a Barbario Cavanario match. You just... Yeah, it, it feels wrong when he's not there. Uh, and then close to him is Volador Jr. and Carristico, and then Mistico. So Volador Jr. was at 244, Carristico is at 253, and Mistico at 274. And again, the fact that he is above all of those much bigger, much more well-known names uh, is tells me that. Uh, they are they're definitely paying attention because I do think he is uh he is deserving of that honor as much as I love all three of those guys um i it, I found myself watching a lot more Cavanario matches over the last year than the three of them all right uh and then two ninety nine so we're about to crack drop down a little bit here is Laredo kid uh you know it's he's triple a wrestler right now he's done some indie dates this is i think pretty much an adequate placement, but I expect him to move up as well because he is another phenomenal wrestler. Uh, uh, he, uh, he just needed a better exposure to really move up and, and uh, that was starting to happen, but he had a couple misfires 
where he was uh, in Impact for a little while and then not, and then AAA didn't do a lot with him when they when he was back in Mexico. And 300, uh, I know we've all talked a lot about him on the show was Ioda Vikingo. Uh, yes, this this to me. I mean, I know um, he's gotten a lot more recognition this this year amount of matches and his placement on those matches so I think an overall thing that will be very interesting for next year is talking about match quality matchups and and all those things those are going to be a lot more scrutinized because for you know most of this year is gone uh for you know from this June to the rest of this year you know there's so much it's much more limiting so um in some ways I could see maybe his placement going a little higher but also lower because he just didn't have the amount of matches. And the same will go with everybody on this list. They won't have nearly the same amount of matches as they did, um, mm-hmm. you know, the previous year. But, you know, the ones that they did have, the quality of them, you know, could, it really could be quality over quantity. And if that's the case, then Evil de Vikingo, like, is, I could absolutely see him moving up this list, you know, this time next year. All right, and uh, to speed things along, now that we've cracked 300, uh, Mr. C's Jr., Octagon Jr., Gran Guerrero, Sobrario Jr., again, I think that's a little low, but he's uh, he had a good year in Japan and should probably have done a little better. Grand Metalik, who unfortunately is stuck in, uh, in directionless WWE thing. El Terrible, La Bestia del Ring, and AAA, and then 369 is Santos Escobar, and 460 is Raul Mendoza. So uh, Santos Escobar is the one that I'm specifically thinking about. He, The reason he uh, is so low on this list probably is because they didn't do anything with him over the last year until yeah. a few months ago. Yeah, I mean, he only debuted with WWE a year ago, right? I remember seeing uh-huh. that on social media, that he's only been with them for a year. So everything he's done over the past few yeah. months absolutely will elevate him on this list. He will mm-hmm. shoot up. I I think he's going to be in the 200, maybe even uh, further it, it up. All depends. Yeah. yeah, it all depends on what they do with him. But 200 is an easy easy one. He could yeah. probably yeah. crack, crack 100 with the mm-hmm. programs they're running with him. Yeah, great. And uh, I was I was gonna just throw out, of course, uh, because of of the the token Puerto Rican on this show, uh, and because I uh, do follow Lucha Libre online with Hugo, who really does support Puerto Ricans in wrestling. They did also identify uh, some of the Puerto Ricans on the PWI 500 list. Um, some. Some you know, some fans may not even know some of these individuals are Puerto Rican. Others, it's very obvious. So, uh, <laughs> real quick, uh, the highest-ranking Puerto Rican on here is Karrion Cross at number 96, half Puerto Rican, I believe. Um, oh. So, so good for him. Uh, and I again, imagine that will be possibly higher next year. You know, fingers crossed. He's he's returned back to to the ring. Um, sooner rather than later, but winning the NXT championship is is a I mean a huge uh, feat for him, and, and even just debuting on NXT is is huge for him. Um, Damian Priest at 108, Santana at 126, and Ortiz at 128. Uh, Homicide 
219, low key at 338. Uh, friend of the show, and I'm just saying that uh, because he was really friendly to us. Uh, I'm not that he'll ever find out we say that, but yeah, friend of the Lucha Libre uh, or the, the Lucha Weekly uh, podcast, Lindsay Dorado uh, at 360, very fitting, almost mm-hmm. at 360. Um, Orlando Colon at 361, uh, El Messias at 394. Alex Colon at uh, 4.28, and Daniel Garcia at 4.50. So uh, that is your Puerto Rican section of the PWI 500. Very nice. Uh, thank you for uh, for getting that for us. Oh, Hugo probably did the work. but uh, Yeah, so Hugo so. did the work, but uh, still, I'm, I'm still reading it. Like, there was just, <laughs> that was part of the agreement of this, uh, of going through I, this, this list. I appreciate it. I really Yes, no, no. Uh, yes, and so that is the road back to shows. Uh, but we're not done yet. We still have the indie roundup. So, uh, as I was telling people before we went on the air, I was a little bit sick and did not robust an indie roundup this week as I wanted to. So I apologize to the people at Lucha Time who did put on a show, and I will have results for them in the coming weeks. But I do have uh, the finals of IWRG's Ray Del Ring, uh, which is also, I believe, there is highlight footage on Lucha Central, and this result, the results are available on Lucha Central as well. So uh, in the first match, you had Legendario defeating Dick Angelo 3G. Uh, and then in the second match, Diosa Quetzal uh, was in a in a match with Lilith Dark singles match. Diosa Quetzal won that. Toxin and Puma de Oro in a singles match, which was one of the ones that I heard a lot of chatter on Twitter about. But uh, Toxin won that one. And then uh, the fourth match was Big Chichiochi, Big Ovet, and Venino. Against uh, Capo, del, Capo del Norte, Capo, Capo del Sur, and Fresario Jr. in a six-man match. Uh, and that's Big Chichote, Big Ovid, and Venino won that. That is a lot of beef in the ring, by the way. Those are all really big boys, and most of them can fly, too. It's uh, fairly traumatizing to watch these big guys flying around. Uh, in the fifth match, we had Dragon Bane and Trauma Win who defeated Hijo de Canos, Lupus, and Trauma 2. These were, this is a Relevos Incredibles match, which is why the Traumas were on opposite sides there and, and not tagged up with themselves. Uh, also, a Dragon Bane, I believe, and the Traumas don't get along very well. Um, and then you had another, you had the Ray Del Ring Championship match, in which you had Demono, Demonio Infernal uh, against... Shun Skywalker and Demono Infernal came out on top of that and is your IWRG Radel Ring again. I believe it's again. I shouldn't make editorials like that that I don't know about, but I thought I just heard that somewhere. But that's what I've got. Uh, it was it was a fun event. Uh, they, it was a little hard to catch on, on YouTube because there were streaming issues. So I once again had to rely on a little bit of the coverage from Lucha Central. So thank you, Lucha Central, for helping me get the results in a clean and, and even format because my notes were a little chaotic. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much, Brendan, for providing us, uh, as always, our road back to shows and our indie roundup. Uh, again, the list that we shared on the Luchadors on the PWI 500 list is available on LuchaCentral.com, as well as the results of the IWRG show, uh, the finals of Ray Del Ring. We can find that on LuchaCentral.com, um, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. And speaking of that, we have Denise Alcedo, who uh, brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Mass, Max, and Mayhem take you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday night's live is WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central weekly podcast. One in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. A big thank you to Denise Alcedo, who always brings us our Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And next, what's happened on WWE SmackDown and Raw? Yeah, this week on, well, on SmackDown, we had nothing, really, as far as Lucha <laughs> content. But on Raw, we had a couple of Lucha-centric matches. First up, we had Angel Andrade and Zelina versus the Street Profits again. We've been doing this podcast now for like 18 weeks, and I feel like we've talked about this matchup for 17 of them. Yep. (laughs) It's it's like Groundhog Day. It really is. And now we've got the tension in the group resurfacing. You know, that kind of went away, but now it's back. Last week, Angel and Bachelorette Demi ran away during Retribution's run-in. They let Zelina and Andrade just take a beating. Angel likely would have taken a beating, too, so I don't know what they expected him to do. Just lay down and get his ass whipped, I guess, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they were mad, and during the pre-match preening and everything, 
they just pass Angel by and they just generally treat him with a lot of derision and act like he might not be able to do this. Uh, Andrade makes him start the match out and after a minute, Angel tags Andrade seemingly against plan with how angry Zelina and Andrade got with the tag. And then as they continue to berate him when he's the corner man, he just kind of smiles and walks away. And he watches Andrade lose. The ref didn't even count to three. He only counted to two. One, two. Andrade was pinned. (laughs) And it was just... They uh, gave up. Does it feel like they're giving up on this? Like, everyone's given up? Like, we've given up. They've given up. Everyone's given up on this. That's not a good sign. Yeah. Not at all. Zelina screams at him at the end. He says, I told you. I told both of you. And he kind of walks back with a shrug like what did they expect from him and so who knows what's going on with those guys it opens up a lot of possibility and strangeness and it seemed like they were finally getting along as a machine and doing well and now they're already full Uh, of tension again and so far the only thing this week that's come out of this match that i really enjoyed is andrade retweeted somebody else who said uh who titled this this gif of a chicken in the streets of Mexico wearing tennis shoes. <laughs> That's amazing. The shade, the shade is real. Yeah, so but next week we will have a brand versus brand champions tag team match with Shinsuke and Cesaro against Street Profits. So we will finally have a week where Street Profits don't wrestle Angel and Andrade. And I have a feeling WWE is going to make them wrestle each other. Ooh. Yeah, that's yeah. actually what I'm hoping for is that we get that, that matchup. That'll be nice. I'm excited yeah, nice for that pace. one. Uh, the storyline, not so much, but the wrestling fan in me is like pure wrestling fan. I am so excited for yeah, that match. Yeah. I, I think the two of them can do a great match together. And, and yeah. um, frankly, I wish they would have pulled the trigger on it sooner. But, you know, that's it. Yeah, it just well, took us a long yeah. time to get here. They were that's afraid the to do anything without fans, I feel like. And yeah. so nothing mattered. Everything you're like, how long ago was that? Was that three weeks ago? Was that back in April? I don't remember, you know, and because it, it all kind of blurs together because they were mm-hmm. just in a holding pattern for so yeah. long. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, that's time? what happens. They just they just waited too long to to pull this trigger to the point where now it just feels so repetitive. I mean, they could have easily done this a month ago, and it would have made sense. But the fact that we had three more weeks of some combination of Andrade and, and Angel versus the Street Profits, like, yeah, they, they mm-hmm. missed their exit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or they could have they could have actually won the tag titles in one of those many matches, and yes. that would have revitalized yeah. the whole mini-feud, but they didn't. They and didn't given it a reason either. to continue. Right? Like, I don't even understand the motivation at this point, other than they're like, well, we want those titles, and Street Profits are like, well, okay, come and get them. I mean, that's it, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and most of the matches aren't even title matches. So that doesn't even make that much sense. And, no, uh, but we also had some big action with Ricochet. He and Apollo with Cedric Alexander had a match against the Hurt Business earlier in the evening that saw Cedric turn on his friends after weeks of suffering at the Hurt Business's hands. And he actually joined the Hurt Business. Later in the show, we get Hurt Business versus Ricochet and Apollo with the Viking Raiders. 
it felt like the match was cut short due to an injury with Ivar from the Viking Raiders. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This match also ended with a two count instead of a three. Even commentary was caught off guard on that one. But the parts for Ricochet and Cedric got to wrestle together in the ring. And even when they improvised for a minute to get the action up off the floor and into the ring to kind of get the camera away from the injury situation was incredible. I loved seeing those two guys wrestle each other. And if this leads to some kind of singles thing for them, I would be so happy. Like it's a magic combination, no matter how fleeting it is in the ring. I felt like this time. That seems to be our story with the WWE is they tease these really great matches and we never get them. So yeah, I'm um, not to expect anything special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just you just learn to be somewhat, you know, keep your expectations low. But, you know, it's still always great to see Ricochet. Um, you know, he's someone that, you know, we, I mean, we talked about it, that transition from NXT to Raw or SmackDown is tricky. And he's one where he kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, his, his aerial skill set is phenomenal he truly mm-hmm. feels like a superhero his his moveset is one where i mean and we've seen it in in his attire as well i mean he is a, a real life superhero in his moveset. he really is yeah and it's, it's somewhat disappointing that that's not utilized a little bit more especially on raw that feels like it's a lot more on kind of the entertainment side um right. and i don't know if yeah. they just focus much more on you know the 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 heavyweights or whatnot, like he's gotten lost in the shuffle, but there, I still feel like there's so much potential with him that, you yeah. know, uh, maybe this is a sign of, of more visibility for him. And ultimately, so. you know, I think WWE to their credit is always in a tricky place of how do you accentuate, you know, all of the skill set of your talent? You know, you really have to do a lot of mixing and matching in, in programs and in single, in matches in general in order to highlight these skills with the limited amount of time you have. Now they could move away from doing stupid stuff. Like why is Demi still on TV? I don't get this, but yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, so, you know, it, I think with Ricochet, it is kind of feeling like his expectations are somewhat low because they haven't done much with him. But I, I think if they were even to do an assessment of all their talent and things really about uh, people on their roster that you could showcase on weekly television and especially getting kids their eyes to light up. Ricochet. Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, he is so cool. Like physics and gravity do not matter for him. There mm-hmm. are such a select few that do. And like Neville, for instance, yeah. uh, Pat, yeah. when he was WWE, he, kids connected with him so much. Every time he came out with that cape, kids just lost their minds. And Ricochet could do all of that. And he has such a great look. And yeah, I just wish that. WWE would let him do what he can do because they had a, what he can do had, before. Yeah, they had a similar problem with Neville too, where they really did. Where they didn't know what to do with him after a little while, and uh, just kind of put him in a two hundred five shaped box, and and then did he did flourish when when he really could have. But uh, so they they it's I don't there's something in the formula where they seem to struggle with these guys that are kind of mid size and and don't fit a standard package um maybe maybe this is the time they'll break free maybe he's the ricochet is the transit one that will actually push that that barrier and make them realize oh we can do a lot with this guy we just 
we just have to actually put some effort into it. Yeah, that would be amazing if they would. I would be super happy. And then before we forget the main event of the match, we had Do- or the show rather, we had Dominic Mysterio versus Murphy <laughs> in a street fight. This was a great match with uh, a ton of psychology early on. There's a spot with Dominic jumping off the Thunderdome fan screens. Um, a great spot when Mama Mysterio and Aaliyah Mysterio have to free Dominic when he was tangled up in the ropes. That harkened back to the beating he took from Murphy and uh, Seth Rollins. There was also an amazing, amazing, amazing moment where Dominic slid through the bottom ropes and hit a sunset flip onto a seated Murphy and put yeah. him through a table. It was one of the coolest things I have ever seen in wrestling. Like. Dominic, if he came up with that, is a genius. Like, whoever came up with it, it's a genius. It looked fantastic. And then Dominic was finally able to lock Murphy in the ropes, and La Familia from Mysterio really beat him down with kendo sticks to get revenge for Dominic and how he'd been beaten before. We even saw Mama Mysterio and Aaliyah back out there wailing on him with kendo sticks. It was awesome. And that's how the show ended. Yeah, the family that beats together... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the family that beats together stays together. <laughs> yeah, I that was uh that was a little surprising that they ended with uh with the the good guys being so aggressive. I mean, even though it was well deserved, uh it, it makes me wonder what the uh consequences are going to be next week because they are it is the bad guy faction that they're they're feuding with. So they there are right. going to be there's going to be something. And so uh, I hope that this means that it's a more prominent feud with the Mysterio family versus, mm-hmm. versus uh, the, uh, what the Messiah the... Uh, mission. I don't, I don't know what they are. Yeah. But uh, hopefully that's, it's something big. I mean, cause they have, they've leveled up now. They're on to fighting the boss. It's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, also, this week on your TV screens and pay-per-view screens, however you choose to view those, we had AEW, and we had a ton of fantastic content from AEW this week. We had Friday Dark, we had All Out, we had our regular Tuesday Dark, and then we had Wednesday Night Dynamite. For brevity, I'm just going to combine the Dark episodes and start with AEW All Out. First, we had a tag match between the competitors decided on on the last episode of Dynamite, Lucha Express versus the Young Bucks. This was high energy and fast-paced, and it had the refreshing addition of the Bucks working heel. Like, you're already kind of engineered not to like the Young Bucks, so when they work heel and that's kind of obvious like that, it's pretty awesome, and I enjoyed that aspect of the match. Uh, they even kicked Marco Stunt's crutch. I mean, real heel work. It was amazing. And this was a really great match. Despite losing, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus really looked like stars. Every time I see Jungle Boy, I want to see more. And I feel like right now we're seeing a genuine star in the making with him in AEW. But this is like... All right, I hear somebody clicking. Yeah, that's me. Okay. Miranda, back yet? All right, well, you were talking, so I guess start there. We'll get Miranda caught up. Yeah, we'll just pick back up at the uh, tag match. 
First up, we had the tag match between competitors decided on the last episode of Dynamite. We had Lucha Express versus the Young Bucks. This was really high energy and fast paced, and it had the refreshing addition of the Bucks working heel. Whenever you see them, you're kind of predisposed not to like them anyway, because it's like the way they look, the way they act, like it's kind of over the top. So I felt like them working heel was perfect. Uh, great heel work. They even kicked Marco Stunt's crutch out from under him. Like, those are some bad dudes. Uh, this was a great match. And despite losing in this match, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus really looked like stars. Every time I see Jungle Boy, I want to see more. And I feel like right now we're seeing a genuine star in the making with Jungle Boy. Like he's in a tag team now. He's just starting out. You know, people are starting to recognize him. He's getting some name brand recognition. Reggie Miller name dropped him at the NBA Finals. I really feel like Jungle Boy is going to be one of the next huge stars of wrestling. And we're seeing him on his way up. Next up, we had the Casino Battle Royale. If you're not familiar with the format, everybody draws a card before the show, and each suit of cards enters together. Group 1 had Ray Phoenix, uh, amongst others. Group 2 had Proud and Powerful. Group 3 had Brian Cage and Pentagon. And Group 4 had Eddie Kingston and Sonny Kiss, amongst others. These were just the Lucha-relevant names. Um, Sonny had a great moment in the match where he eliminated Jake Hager. It was incredible. The final two were Kingston and Lance Archer. Lance Archer was declared the winner, but Eddie Kingston was never officially eliminated. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to see what comes of this. Indeed. Yes. The next up, we had the most talked about and controversial match of the evening. Sammy Guevara oh, yeah. versus Matt Hardy. Yeah. It was a last man standing match. It started on the Jaguars practice field. It didn't go on very long. And after a really scary spot from a scissor lift onto some tables, Matt Hardy hit his head on the floor and was apparently knocked out. I mean, it was scary. I thought we had seen Matt Hardy die. It was not good. The ref work from Aubrey Edwards, however, was a real highlight here. It was I was so superb. impressed. Superb. Oh. <laughs> like, and I'll just, I'm just going to say this out there, too. And I talked, I've talked about this with multiple people. You know, a lot of people are placing blame on multiple people within the company um, as far as, you know, what they should or shouldn't have done. But Aubrey seemingly was the only person who did everything right. Um, and she did everything right. And so big kudos to her for, you know, her professionalism, staying cool Mm -hmm. under pressure, uh, making ultimately the right call. And I'll talk about this in a second as far as uh, Tony Khan's immediate response to this. But, you know, I believe the call really did come from Aubrey first. um, It did. Her her reaction was immediate. I feel like she really deserves a lot of recognition for that. Yes. So and if anyone has a problem with that, come and find me. Tell me because we're going to have a problem here Uh, in in general. uh, If if you think that there was any, you know, uh, there's a lot of people to blame in this uh, scenario, seemingly, especially if you're Rebby Hardy, you're blaming everybody. Uh, But but she is one of the people that hurt her AEW. And I hope they've let her know that. I hope they tell her every day. Yeah, I do too. Like she just, she cannot get enough praise for how well she held her composure during all of that. That was incredible. And not only to do it, but, uh, you know, immediately handle it like that to know what was wrong, to have the, the guts and the, 
fortitude to step up and say no when Matt Hardy kept trying to get up. You know, she was the one that was stepping in trying to stop him. I so mm-hmm. good. She's she is a rare talent and she deserves all the recognition for that. And even though that match kind of put a damper on the show, what we had next was easily the show stealer in the match of the night. Our girl Thunder Rosa versus Hikaru Shida for the AEW women's title. And before it even started, Rosa had an amazing entrance and theme. Her video and everything was amazing. And this really was a fantastic match. Commentary really sold the idea that Sheeta had had to study up to face Thunder Rosa. You know, she had to study some lucha and get some advice on how to wrestle against a luchadora from SEMA. And, you know, I loved the commentary on that. And Thunder Rosa had obviously been studying, too, because she had a counter reversal for almost everything that Sheeta threw at her. Commentary really talked about how evenly matched they were and what a threat Thunder Rosa was. What And that was a great touch. It helped legitimize her as a threat. And I felt like it was really taken seriously that either woman could win. They even mentioned her blue belt and jujitsu and how strong her martial arts training is. You know, that she might be able to work that to her advantage and win through some martial arts. She was amazing in the match. Uh, Rosa even kicked out of a falcon arrow on a one count, which was so cool. And after she kicked out, she like had this crazy smile that was perfect for the moment. It, it was fantastic. However, Shida finally won by pulling out a Tamahashi knee strike that Rosa just hadn't prepared for, and Shida won. This was such a stellar match. And I think it's going to be a match that people study, not just women's wrestlers, but men too. Uh, it's this is a beautiful match and i think it'll be historically important and it was the best AEW women's match ever in yeah. my opinion i mean okay. easily the best women's match ever it was it was one of the best AEW matches period is where it, i oh I, absolutely you know, mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, just, I nothing but good things to say about this match I, I none of the other matches did i feel the need to watch three or four more times just to enjoy it. Like I watched everything a couple of times to take notes. There were, I, I just watched that one a couple extra times just to enjoy that match. That's how oh, I did too. Yeah. yeah. I ended up watching it three times. I just loved it. And, and then they announced on dynamite this week that Thunder Rosa is actually going to have an NWA women's title match against five yeah. elite on September 16th dynamite. <sighs> And for us Lucha fans, that might even be better than the all-out matchup. Yes, I was like, stop it, AEW. What are you yes, doing to me? I know. What are you doing to me? Thunder Rosa is finally getting that uh, recognition and Ivalice and, oh, it's just, it's perfection. Like it's, it's this momentum. Now, this leads to a lot of questions about what is Thunder Rosa's status with um, the the company. Um, and I, I do want to jump in real quick uh, about the media scrum call that yes. occurred right after. Um, fortunately, uh, I was able to be part of that uh, on behalf of the Lucha Central Podcast Network. Um, so thank you uh, for, for that opportunity. Uh, and Pep Carrera was also on it. Um, he has a rundown of the entire media scrum on luchacentral.com. But I want to pinpoint a few specific questions that were asked to Tony Khan um, 
really regarding Thunder Rosa and uh, a lot of people were asking um, and by a lot, I mean, everyone had the same question, but, you know, was only able to ask, get asked once, um, you know, the status of Thunder Rosa with um, AEW and Tony stated that he would love to bring Thunder Rosa back, which is now obvious uh, a few days later, seeing what we're going to get next week. Um, however, he did say that it also was up to Billy Corgan and the NWA as well, um, and that he really liked uh, working with her and, and thought she was great in her match. Um, but ultimately, too, was not only his decision, but it would had to be won uh, by by Billy Corgan, and they'd have to work something out. It's obvious that they are if she's coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and for a title match. And defending her NWA title. So uh, that was also a, a big theme uh in the in the night when uh, talking with John Moxley, um, because he was asked about the partnership between AEW and the NWA, and uh, you know what he thought about AEW working with more companies in the future, and if John Moxley himself would want to defend uh, the AEW World Title at other promotions, and uh, he stated he would, that he would like to defend his championship at other places worldwide. Uh, He specifically stated an old school world champion. Um, So he talked about, of course, um, uh, working in New Japan since he already has an existing relationship there, but he would love to take that to promotions all over the world and even do some talent trading with other U.S.-based promotions. And he specifically mentioned Mm -hmm. Ring of Honor, uh, Impact Wrestling, and and, uh, again, New Japan. So uh, this could be a a larger theme that we see, and and this could have been just an experiment to see how well it, it would have gone. And I think ultimately the consensus is it's gone very well. Um, but it's a big thing for AEW to evaluate what's in it for them. And I think that's a very fair question. Um, what's in it for them by working with other uh, promotions, whether they be international or U.S.-based? Well, I, I can tell you, with as far as working with Thunder Rosa, what's in it for them is uh, legitimizing their women's division, which is the most highly yeah. criticized part of their program. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, and and then uh, as far as Randy Corrigan, he, if he gets that that exposure, then they, their pay per views that they're going to start filming soon, with her defending the title among other things, uh, are going to get a lot more exposure. So uh, it, it can very that relationship can very much be a win. Uh, the rest of it has to be a lot more carefully managed and negotiated. Lee is definitely a brand that they want to keep fairly safe, but uh, you know. A, as far as Thunder Rosa goes, I, I see I see lots of potential for both companies, and, and uh, especially after this killer match we had, and what promises to be even, an even better match next week with Eva Lee. Speaking of uh, more talent, he was asked specifically uh, about uh, bringing in more Latinos and luchadors into AEW. Um, He was was pointed out that, you know, um, they have a pretty strong Latino presence already with Santana and Ortiz, the Lucha Brothers, um, now too with Santa Rosa and uh, Evelise and Monte from the tournament. And 
And so he was specifically asked if there's plans to bring in more Latino wrestlers and luchadors. And in that, uh, he did talk about being a big fan of Lucha Libre and that he, quote unquote, said he's always on the lookout for the next big luchador. So that is on his radar. And again, it is pretty obvious based off of who's on the roster, both, you know, who shows up on Dynamite and the opponents they have on Dark. Um, he talked about AEW previously working with AAA, and I know we'll lead into a little bit of news on that uh, regarding Penta um, a little later on. But he also talked, mentions that he's watched CMLL uh, both previously and the current product. So he is aware of, you know, Lucha Libre in a bigger sense, and, mm. and he is a fan of it. So um, that is something I think for Lucha fans to be on the lookout for is he seems fairly intentional with it, and we do see that presence on the roster. But, again, who who really knows what that will be in the future? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I think AEW is really turning out to be the place, at, you know, I mean, even more than Ring of Honor to be the place in America where luchadors have come to be seen. I know we've seen somebody like Laredo boy kind of tweeting that he wants Kenny Omega for the AAA mega campion title, you know, here or there. And so and, that's um, pretty cool. We've joked about someone we've interviewed uh, just uh, recently, Mr. Iwana being someone who could be mm-hmm. an ideal fit with kind of the comedy bits that they do in AEW. Um, his gimmick and his persona is essentially like, you know, on par with Orange Cassidy. So it really is. Yeah. I mean, so, that would be a, such a big money match. I would love to see that. Yes. Um, so again, the, the full media scrum details and, and questions are listed, uh, are available on luchacentral.com. Um, but again, those are just some very interesting comments and thoughts from, uh, John Moxley and, um, Tony Khan. And again, that, especially that targeted Lucha Libre question was something I really wanted to bring up because, you know, on a weekly basis, yes, it's a little bit hit or miss, but, um, you know, he, talks about his, his fandom and also mentioning, you know, the Lucha brothers themselves are said uh, one of the best tag teams, but also just two of the best luchadors on the planet, which is, you know, the, the absolute truth. So we could see that dynamic play out more on the, on a weekly basis, but it does seem like there may be, you know, more opportunities to, to come, but also in the American landscape. I mean, we did talk about ring of honor that, I mean, their luchador scene has been great, um, NXT specifically has been, you know, uh, doing a better job with their luchador presence. So, you know, <laughs> progress is, is there. It's coming. Um, but, you know, it, as far as the presentation of it, I'm very curious. Um, and this is just off the cuff, but just your guys' thoughts on who does have the best lucha. Go ahead, Dusty. Uh, the best lucha presence. Gosh. Um, I, I really, I think AEW has, I mean, so much for the luchadors, the, the company is willing to try anything. You see Pentagon and Phoenix all over the place on the show. We've seen Serpentico, uh, we've seen Fuego del Sol. Uh, these guys are all getting TV time and notice that they just wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. I don't feel like they would have been left in the the kind of middle had forgotten similar to Ricochet's positioning or their characters would have been diluted. AEW seems to be no pun intended all in on letting people be their kind of characters that they want to be. 
and I think that that is just fantastic. Um, I, I have a, I have the other side of this opinion. I have the, I think that uh, ROH is is doing just uh, just barely edging out AEW. I think mm-hmm. that uh, ROH has put so many of these guys in the main event scene or at, at high profile positions, and doing really well it's with true. that. Well, well, yeah. AEW, while they have more people. A lot of those guys, like this is the first time we've seen anybody from, we saw Angelico on, on Dynamite was this week, and it was not in a match that anybody thought he was going to win. Um, right. You know, and, uh, but he's he's had a couple of bangers over on Dark, and you have like Serpentico is a mainstay over on Dark. As I don't, I think I haven't ever seen him outside of the crowd on, on Dynamite, so... Uh, and you know, and Dark is is uh, a secondary show, which is we've talked about many times, kind of not related to the main product. And I, a lot of the times when I'm recommending AEW for Luchador fans, I'm just telling them watch Dark. Don't worry about Dynamite, because Dark too. is where the Luchadors are at and and performing. So you know, uh, whereas it's an ROH, like I say, they're on all levels. They're in the they're in the mid event scene, they're in the mid card scene, they're in the tag, the six man, they're top to bottom in the card, and you can't avoid them, and you can't uh, you you don't you're you're prominently aware of them at all times in in their product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. I, I'm leaning a little bit more towards Brendan's argument, only because of the placement. I mean, again, going back to some of that PWI methodology, uh, the fact that they hold uh, a good portion of the championships there and their placement on the card. Now, as far as that was, you know, back at the end of last year. So we don't know what that's going to continue and look like currently, because right now ROH is really going to be focusing on the pure tournament. So more actively, Currently, as of this moment, AEW, I would say, has a bit more of that edge and then probably very closely followed behind by NXT. But that's only solely because of the presence of Legado de Fantasma. That is really the cornerstone. But in some ways, that's all you really need um, because of how well they're presented, how well they're booked and you know, the, their program progression. So uh, that was just something that, that came to mind. Uh, very curious on, on your thoughts on that. I know I took up some time of AEW <laughs> and we'll have to move on fairly shortly. But again, right. uh, yeah, just as a reminder that the all out. Yeah, we'll just kind of skip over Dark this week, and we'll head straight into Wednesday Night Dynamite. Uh, That's opened with Jurassic Express versus Lucha Brothers, and this match was so good. So good. This was the best wrestling on TV, you know, free TV, cable TV, but we're going to call it in a long time. Pentagon and Phoenix looked fantastic. Jungle Boy was as resilient as ever. Luchasaurus used his size to remarkable effect. It was just so fun and such an amazing match. The pace and the action were both 100 miles an hour, and there was constantly something amazing going on during the match. At the finish, Jungle Boy was able to do this amazing, amazing moment where he threw Phoenix into Pentagon, who hit him with the Destroyer, and then Jungle Boy rolled Phoenix up out of the Destroyer for the win. It was so good, so good. And then post-match, Pentagon and Phoenix fought over it until Eddie Kingston came out with Butcher and Blade and made them shake hands. Eventually, Pentagon did shake Phoenix's hand, and Eddie says, don't forget, I was never eliminated from the Battle Royal. Look up the rules. <laughs> yep. And That's then a fact. Ap- 
Afterwards, we had Orange Cassidy versus Angelico. This was a fun and a fantastic match, and I am all here for that Yaveo submission style that Angelico is doing right now. Yeah. I love this evolution of his character. Like, it makes sense as he—I don't want to say as he's older, but as he's getting slightly older, it makes sense to start changing his style, adapting to a more long-lasting and uh, less body injurious style. And he's doing that so effectively right now. Uh, it Just, works great for his mentor, Negro Navarro, who is still wrestling to this day. At a, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that style is fantastic for somebody who wants to have a, a long and active career. And I love Angelico, so I hope he does have that very long and active career. The, the mashing of styles here was actually beautiful in this match. I loved the way they worked together. But despite Angelico's best efforts, Orange Cassidy got the win. Orange didn't get to celebrate too long, though. Proud and Powerful showed up with a coupon and a mad ball, and they started wailing on Orange so that best mm-hmm. friends ran out for the, st- for the save. Chucky Taylor got on the microphone and said that they were sick of this. He called them a couple of ding-dongs and said they want Proud and Powerful <laughs> next week in a parking lot brawl. And then Trent lets them know that he's going to hurt them, and that's going to make his mama proud. So, (laughs) very cool. And in an interesting bit of trivia, this was Angelico's uh, first U.S. TV singles match since season one, episode 21 of Lucha Underground. Wow. Wow. Yeah, five years ago. They really ran with him in the trios thing. They did, yeah. He was. Yeah. I mean, I I was trying to think to begin with. I was like, I I can't remember any singles matches in Lucha Underground. So I actually had to look it up and go back. And his last match was against Johnny Mundo in Lucha Underground. His last singles match on TV in the U.S. Wow. was against Johnny wow. Mundo. Yeah, season one. And so I I know we skipped Dark, but I just real quick want to point out he had another good match on Dark too. So fans that are wanting to catch up on that. Yes, yes, and Helico was on dark. And also a big shout out to Ivalice and Diamante. Ivalice deleted Kylan King on one of the dark episodes and with Diamante in her corner. And it's awesome to see these women, you know, finally getting some recognition after years in the business. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, with Ivalice's placement next week on Dynamite, the NWA women's title match, we will really be seeing a lot more of her. I think that it shows her as a big deal and a legitimate competitor without having to put her up against Sheeta or Nyla Rose, one of the bigger AEW women's candidates. And it gives her a chance to flourish in a way that she might not have been able to a couple of weeks ago before Thunder Rosa showed up. So I am just so excited for this. And and another big development in the women's division that was just announced is uh, AW has signed uh, Ty Conti um, yes. to, to the women's division. And she had a match against uh, Nyla Rose this week uh, on Dynamite that she lost. It was still a really great showing. And so it really looks like they're taking some strides to strengthen their women's division. And uh, especially those that, I mean, it's also very surprising that she is signed, but yet we haven't heard any official news on Ivelisse or Diamante. I'm expecting we will hear Ivelisse has been signed next week. That's 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 what I figure. She loses, but puts on an incredible match. And then afterwards we find out she's all elite. Yeah. Or or we find out going into that Tuesday that or that 
that Thursday. I mean, mm-hmm. that uh, yes, she's signed as part of the hype for the match. It's I think the sky's the limit. Ivelisse has wrestled everywhere, and she's been around for several years. I I don't mean that in a bad way. Like she has been everywhere, and she can do anything. I she's even been doing some training near AEW. That's how they you know got in touch with her at the time. She just happened to be nearby. And so I think her ability to elevate the women's division would be even further enhanced by her training ability and her knowledge and her worldliness and the things that she can kind of show them and teach them that they haven't seen yet, especially some of the girls like Anna Jay and Tay Conti that haven't toured yet. You know, some AEW shows, they got to tour for a little while, but they've been in Jacksonville longer than they were touring. And yeah. so I think Ivelisse's presence as like a, a trainer and, you know, just an all around uh, knowledgeable presence where they can just kind of sit under the learning tree and learn from working with her and working against her. I I think that, that will make Ivelisse extremely important to AEW. Very true. Great. Well, uh, again, all of this uh, information as far as the results of uh, All Out, Dynamite, and Dark are available on LuchaCentral.com. Um, and next, we go to NXT. We had another edition of Super Tuesday, um, which was headlined with the match we didn't think we were going to have headline, actually. It was not the NXT Championship match that headlined the show. It was a cage match between Rhea Ripley and Mercedes Martinez. Um, this, you know, this buildup happened very quickly, but it was a very, uh, very good match. Very brutal. Um, I mean, two just insanely tough, fierce women in a cage match, which is something you rarely see. So again, kudos to, to NXT. Um, Rhea Ripley won this. I mean, it's not that surprising, um, but there. what is a little bit surprising is that there are rumors that Mercedes Martinez lost this match because she is going to be uh, transitioning out of NXT to Raw or SmackDown as part of Retribution. Um, so that is still unknown. Uh, as far as, you know, we still don't know who the identity uh, of the members of Retribution are. We didn't end up getting an actual promo from them, but, you know, they still had masks and their voices were disguised. But that is currently the speculation as to why Rhea Ripley won. And again, too, I mean, she is still building her way back to the NXT Women's Championship scene. So she is still going to, to be a, a fiercely competitive um, in that division. Uh, but also, I mean, I don't think in in that match either of them lost anything. I think they both gained uh, a lot of respect and hopefully a, a good fan base, and they represented the women's division very well. Um, not much other lucha content for this week, but next week we have some interesting matchups. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart has earned a shot against Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. So uh, that is going to be great. And Shotzi Blackheart for a lot of, especially on the West Coast, um, very well known within uh, the West Coast Lucha Libre scene. And mm-hmm. many people have seen her on NXT for quite a while. So um, this is going to be a, a great great match. Um, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And then uh, North American champion Damian Priest will be going up against Timothy Thatcher. Um, he's, it's his first title defense since winning at NXT TakeOver 30. So, uh, you know, currently on the PWI list, current uh, 
North American champion Damian Priest against I mean to me Thatcher's just insane. Like just you know, he's he's a crazy man. But I love it. I love it. I think this will be a very interesting match. Oh, me too. Now, I do want to talk about some of the big news coming out of NXT this week. It's actually uh, another story that's come out with some speculation that NXT may be permanently moving to Tuesday. Um, there's been stories out there saying that uh, WWE and USA are a lot happier with the show as far as the ratings results on Tuesdays and it not being going head-to-head with AEW. Uh, I want to get your thoughts, Brendan, first on what are your thoughts on NXT moving to Tuesday? I think it's great. I mean, I I loved NXT, and when they wanted to put it onto primetime television, I was excited by the idea. But then when I, it sounded like it was uh, more of a cynical move to try and devalue AEW, I was less certain of it. And that experiment, if that's honestly what happened, and obviously that was just a lot of people speculating, uh, if that's what they wanted, that's not how it worked out. Like Both shows seem to lose a lot of viewers, which has been proven out by having them on different nights during the basketball playoffs. So mm-hmm. uh, I, both shows can have a much bigger rating and a much bigger, bigger presence uh, on nights that they're not up against each other. And that mm-hmm. seems like a big win for everybody. Yeah. D- Dusty, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I agree. I think that it's a huge win for wrestling fans. No matter who you went up against, I mean, they're, they're, every night there's going to be somebody they're up against. Tuesday nights, it's Impact. I feel sorry for Impact, but at the same time, um, they're a more limited channel mm-hmm. and everything for fans. So I don't know that they'll have that much of a impact on their ratings, no pun intended. But I think that moving them to different nights is for the best, for especially mainstream wrestling fans. I know that it really helped me out this week to be able to watch NXT on Tuesday and AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. It makes it so much more fun for me. I love having wrestling every night. And on a pay-per-view night or whatever, then you got Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You got a break on Thursday, Friday, you got SmackDown. You know, like it's kind of nice having that flow for wrestling fans. Mm -hmm. Something every night to look forward to and enjoy. And so I really hope they do move to Tuesday. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw a curveball. This is news that just came out earlier today um, regarding MLW. And I know we usually don't do it in this order, but I just want to throw it out there because even if NXT does move out of the Wednesday slot, MLW just announced that they are going to be airing on Wednesdays on Fubo Sports, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. or 10 p.m. So 7 p.m. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, West Coast time, 10 p.m. Uh, East Coast. And yeah. then Saturdays on BN Sports. So even if we have this shift, um, we're still going to have a lot of wrestling on Wednesdays. And if they stay on Wednesdays, I don't know what you all going to do. I don't know how we're going to do this show <laughs> because, the, uh, you know, the, uh, it yeah. is available on Pluto TV and Roku. And, you know, so you can get it later on in the, the replay. But, I just want to throw yeah. that out there as uh, another wrench in the plans for Wednesdays. Um, that either way, if NXT stays or goes, there's still going to be some additional content available on Wednesdays. I, I uh, have a plan already. If, if you didn't mention it, it was because I got the, uh, thanks to being in their presser, I got that information too. Uh, but they also said in their press release that they're going to have a YouTube version of the show that uh, launches on Saturday. So 
Oh, I'm, nice. I'm going, I'm going to skip the Wednesday broadcast and watch the Saturday version instead. That's I probably will, I'm too. Yeah, yeah. love Saturday night wrestling. <laughs> Saturday right? night wrestling, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, out of NXT and into CMLL, Brendan um, is going to be talking to us about some of the results of the uh, last week's iPay-Per-View. <sighs> Yeah, um, so we had our first eye pay per view. Uh, they uh, they had one, two, three, four, five whole matches. Uh, it was again kind of a, a standard Friday night CMLL show for those of you that know what I'm talking about. Uh, it was. Uh, I mean, see, Dusty laughs because he knows, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was uh fun for me to be able to watch it again. I I uh I hope a lot of people tuned in so CMLL feels that they need to uh to put on more shows after they've done with they're done with this build. But uh we had uh we had uh, first up we had Coyote and uh Diamond in a two out of three falls match and Coyote took back to back falls two and three to win the whole thing. Next, we had Espiritu Negro and Rey Kamata against Audaz Maya Jr. Uh, this was another two out of three falls match because it's CMLL. Uh, the, uh, this also was special because it had Olimpico uh, debuting as a referee, and they spent more time on commentary talking about Olimpico than they did about the match, which I was amused by. Uh, Kamata and uh, Negra wound up uh, Negro. Ugh, that still sounds bad. Ray Kamada <laughs> and Spiritu Negro wound up winning. Uh, they took fall one and three. Uh, Dallas, next up we had Dallas and Reina Aces against Marcella and Princesa Suhit. Uh, this is another two out of threes. Uh, you had Dallas basically being dominant after in this, and uh, they took falls one and three. Uh, and Euphoria, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things that's kind of predictable. If you see her yeah. in the match, she's probably going to submit everybody on the team by herself. Yeah, um, like she could kick my ass easily. So yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, like, I just love to see her wrestle. Like, she is such a unique talent and so good at what she does. And yeah, uh-huh. just, yeah, I enjoy it. I'm a fan. I I always look forward to her matches. Uh, I'm disappointed that we're probably not going to get a big uh, Dia de los Muertos presentation this year because she always figures really big into that, and mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite parts of the year. Oh, mine too. Uh, next, we had Euphoria, Grand Garo, and Sanson against Bandito, Flyer, and Volador Jr. I mean, on that's all. I hope I hope a lot of people watch this one because it was. So fun. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, it was the Euphoria Grand Girl and Samson won. I have notes on this, but they are confusing me. So uh, they have agreed to a rematch is the big thing. Is, so that we'll be seeing this again next week. Although I we're going to have a little a few changes in the lineup because Bandito was a last minute replacement and Samson was a last minute replacement. So they may change up the team. And Bandito had replaced Star Jr. and Sansen had replaced Ultimo Guerrero, who has, uh, I I would speculate that he has not been allowed to wrestle because of uh, uh, 
a COVID scare, but that's my my guess because you don't pull that big of a name off of a show unless he's hurt or sick. And they're, because they're not saying that he's hurt, that makes me think that he's sick and to talk about it. Yeah, I hope that's not <laughs> the case, but it does seem very likely given the current state of affairs. And in our main event, we had Felino and Barbario Cavanario, which uh, was uh, Felino won a DQ. Uh, I mean, but I mean, at that point, you're just kind of watching two great guys have a have a really solid match. Uh, oh yeah. I'm a big Felino fan. <laughs> I'm a ba- fan of both of these guys. Yes, uh, that's true. Uh, and so I was super happy that that was my main event. I was a little tiny bit disappointed that it was a DQ, but because I know that they're building to the anniversary and the show right before the anniversary, I'm, I'm excited that this may mean that we get another match with a stipulation out of them at some point in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that would be really exciting. And then uh, that, so that was our iPay-per-view. I had originally heard that the uh, that the voting was done, but I, when I went to check on it, it also said that the voting is still going on. So I was originally going to talk about what uh, the scenarios were going to look like for the for the anniversary show, but at this point, we're going to let it mature for another week or so, and then I'll figure out if uh, if they had actually closed the voting or if somebody said that prematurely. Um, and good. again, uh, there is a review on LuchaCentral.com for this show and uh, surely for, for future uh, shows uh, from the iPay-Per-View series. So if you'd like to uh, read the review, go to LuchaCentral.com. Now we are at the part of the show uh, where... We're going to do, you know, uh, we're going to set this up a little bit uh, regarding the interview with Michael Pats and uh, Patson and uh, Ian Hodgkinson, uh, known to many of us as Vampiro, uh, regarding the new documentary, Nail in the Coffin, The Fall and Rise of Vampiro. Um, this documentary in and of itself was, I mean, something I think really touted. We don't get to see a lot of wrestling documentaries, even though there's been a little bit of a, some uh, of an explosion of them lately. Um, and I think that many people thought they knew what to expect with this documentary. But I would like to say just from my perspective and from viewing it, there's things you absolutely see and realize that is, you know, Vampiro. But then you learn more about Ian Hodgkinson, the man, and, you know, his motivation to go into wrestling, his trials and tribulations, and ultimately, um, you know, what, what his life is, you know, evolved to uh, with doing more behind-the-scenes work in, in wrestling and also um, raising raising his daughter. Um, but I want to get, you know, your your guys' thoughts on it. Dusty, what, what were your thoughts on the documentary um, overall? Uh, I really loved it. I, I went into it thinking it was going to be like a pure wrestling, you know, the biography of Vampiro, basically, and that his daughter was included in part of this. I didn't realize that his relationship with his daughter was going to be such a centralized focus, but it made it somehow more interesting to me than just a regular wrestling documentary. Mm-hmm. I got really engrossed in it. I watched the whole thing in just one sitting. I It felt like it lasted 30 minutes to me. It just went so fast yeah. because it was so interesting. And 
no matter how you feel about Vampiro or the wrestler, if you're a fan, not a fan, this the documentary is something for fans of all wrestling because you get to see the humanization of somebody like that and their kind of motivation behind it all with his relationship with his daughter and what was important to him. And so it really helps explain Vampiro and the, but also the poignancy of being the father to a teenager and, there was just so much going on that was so emotionally rich in the movie throughout that it really touched me, I guess, in a way I didn't expect. Yeah. Brendan, what were your thoughts on just even learning about this documentary and um, the the information that, that you had heard uh, regarding, you know, the, the content of this documentary? So um, I, had a, I had a fun little story on that in that I went to uh, to work and one of my coworkers is a big, uh, he's big in the theater scene and, and was watching previews for movies that are coming out, like independent movies that are going to be done. And so he asked me about that, about this movie. Like he came up and said, man, I saw this. It looks really great. Uh, what do you know about this wrestler in this movie? So I told him a little bit about uh, Vampiro and I told him all that, but I was, my takeaway was more that I'm excited that uh, they're pushing this into the indie, indie films scene instead of uh, just trying to market this towards wrestling fans. They're trying to get uh, more people to see the story. And mm-hmm. it is it's an incredible story about a person who happens to have a job as a wrestler or around wrestling, I should say. Yeah. Since yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and that is, that's kind of a, a neat, a neat uh, take on it. And I really yeah. was excited to hear that, that uh, my friend who doesn't normally care about wrestling was, was willing to, to give this movie a chance if, uh, if as long as he did some investigation on if it was yeah. worth his time or not. Well, we're going to go right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, here is our interview with Michael Patz and Ian Hodgkinson, known as Vampiro, on the new documentary, Nail in the Coffin, The Fall and Rise of Vampiro. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Miranda Morales and Dusty Murphy here with a Lucha Central weekly exclusive interview with the two men behind the new documentary, Nail in the Coffin, The Fall and Rise of Vampiro. First, we'd like to introduce a self-possessed, professed Lucha Libre fan, a former reporter with Super Luchas magazine, film producer and director of Nail in the Coffin, Michael Patz, and joining him, a legend of Lucha Libre and pro wrestling from his early career in CMLL, breaking out to American audiences in WCW and Wrestling Society X, one of the voices of Lucha Underground, and is known for his work on and off screen in AAA, the subject of Nail in the Coffin, the man known around the world as Vampiro, Ian Hodgkin. Bad links. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just. <coughs> Hi. Hi, Michael. Ian, thank you so yes, much. Yes, thanks for being here. I'm um I'm getting high myself, so forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're living that dream. Ooh, it's Friday. It's well, I guess it's not five o'clock. You don't need to worry about what time it is when you. It's noon somewhere. I I thought your intro was gonna go longer. You could have kept talking about me. That's okay. Um, but I'm a big advocate for medicinal marijuana, CDB for anxiety, and I was freaking out because I'm late for your interview, so I had to calm down. So forgive me for coughing. Hey, 
Okay. I don't have a problem. Whatever you got to do, take it easy. We're, we're just happy both of you can join us uh, for today. And, and we are just really excited to talk to you uh, about this new project, this new documentary. Um, because, gosh, it, Dusty and I both watched it. And we were just kind of in, in awe of the whole story, really. Um, it's a side of, of Vampiro, I'm sure, Ian, that many, not anyone seen before and Michael you got some real unprecedented access uh, to uh, to film a lot of things that people in in the world don't get to see behind the scenes like uh, triple mania can you tell us a little bit about what it was like in, in filming uh, triple mania and and some of the other shows that Ian was on um thank you uh, it was it was awesome as a, as a fan um you know, it was it was a dream come true for me, right? Um, to be able to be involved and, and to be a part of, you know, trip, uh, Triple Mania 25 was amazing. Um, the the neat thing about it, um, you know, well, I guess the great thing about it was it was that 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 Ian helped us, you know, obviously get in there, and then you know, Triple uh, A opened up their opened up the doors to us and gave us, um, like you said, unprecedented access to the um, to everything, and they were basically said, you guys just, you know go at it you guys can film everything you want no problem uh, at all just don't film the guys with their masks off of course uh and that was it so it was really cool there it was it was just awesome we had a very nimble crew it was just it was just basically two of us there so when we get kind of dropped into the in, into into this environment uh, it was like a snake pit uh it was absolutely insane uh the amount of people what was going on there um you know, I guess if fashion it to it's organized chaos and it's like, you know, you're, you're filming, we're, we're flying the wall, filming the, all this. But at the same time, you know, you, you look at somebody the wrong way and, you know, they'll eat you alive. It's, you know, it's the same Ian and I were talking about, it's a bit like prison, you know? So our whole thing is, <laughs> was that, it was like, let's just stick close to, uh, to, to the big dog, you know what I mean? And we'll follow Ian around and, you know, and then drama will follow him. Right. And that was, that was the whole sort of thing. So it was, it was awesome. Uh, and really, really intense. Uh, my question is for both of you. Um, there were several older clips in the movie, uh, with Ian and his daughter, Dasha, as she grew up and throughout the documentary that really captured the most, and the poignancy of being a parent to a teenager. And it really elevated that beyond just a wrestling documentary into, you know, like a really touching documentary about a father providing for his daughter. And I was wondering, like, if that was your intention when you started out and how long you guys filmed the documentary? Uh, we filmed for about three years. And um, I guess at the end of the day, it all, it all kind of, you know, it all came together when Ian we, we bumped into each other, uh, reconnected at the airport. And he was telling me about uh, how he was commuting from Thunder Bay, Ontario to Mexico City to Los Angeles and having to be back Sunday night to, you know, make basically make lunch for his daughter for school. And I was like, wow, this is this is crazy in terms of the schedule that he has. And um, and that became the sort of the heart of the of of the story. Uh, Of course, I love I love Lucha. Um, but I found that the story, that was the heart of it. And I thought it was another side. There was, there's many different layers that I kind of wanted to show, uh-huh. uh, to Ian. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. What happened? Uh, oh, 
Yeah, this if you want to re-ask it. Oh, um, I was just asking, like, if it, it was your intention when you started out with the oh, documentary. Actually, I thought Michael yeah. answered it. No, it wasn't my intention. Yeah. 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 My intention my intention was to let Michael do what, what he thought was best because of my mental state at that time, because of my injuries and my sickness. Uh, I, I think I was quite confused and I was I was overwhelmed with not wanting to die and I was trying to figure out what I was doing from day to day because I was so sick. So I said to Michael, it's best that you don't involve me in your story because if it's my version, it's going to come out horrible. It's better that you do what you think is right and don't ask me and don't show me. Just do your thing. And that's kind of how that went. Speaking of what you wanted to include in this movie, Ian, specifically, you talk about how backstage politics has played a huge role in your career and in Lucha Libre, um, from what we saw behind the scenes with Jeff Jarrett to uh, your explanation on your feud with Conan. Why was that important for you to share in the documentary? Because um, I don't like... Uh, I'm not better than anybody else. I'm not a tough guy. I'm not a macho guy. I don't care about any of that. Uh, I just think it's wrong that you that wrestlers or anybody in the entertainment industry falls for their own hype and believes that they're more important than they make themselves out to be. And they forget that we're hired to do a job. It's not because of us the company is successful. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the wrestling fans are going to support the product, whether you're there or not. So it's not about you. And it really bothers me that the wrestling industry treats people like they're stupid. So I always thought it would be better. Just be honest. And, and, and if somebody asks you, answer it. It's, you know, don't lie. I mean, I'm the camera's following me around. What am I supposed to do? Not talk about it? Not tell the truth? And I mean, think about it. Vampiro's been off of television since 2001 in the United States. Think about that. I haven't re- When have I wrestled? I haven't. And you still remember me and you still support me. So that tells me what I did and I don't remember it was impactful. So out of respect, I'm going to give you everything that you came to support and like about me, which was honesty and fighting for the underdog. Right. So I just felt it was my responsibility to show the people who have supported me for so long. There is a reason I am the way I am. And this is why. How would you say that AAA has changed from your time with them, like when you started as an active performer to now with your um, presence as a director of talent backstage? Well, here's the really crazy thing. I was never in AAA, ever. (laughs) I was Consejo Mundial. I was in the other companies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I came in and out of AAA a few times, and I just didn't get along with the office. I didn't get along with the booking committee. I didn't get along with their philosophy. So I just kind of burned out and left. It wasn't until this last time uh, when Licenciado Joaquin Roldan, rest in peace, uh, who was Dorian Roldan's father, because um, I was very tight with Antonio Peña, who made AAA. But he told me there was so much jealousy that I would be better off, even though I was his creation, even though I was his biggest creation. He told me to stay in the other company because there would just be too much disarray if I came over to AAA because of the jealousy. And I thought that was so weird. And we've been, and we were friends my whole career. Then at the end, before he passed away, he brought me in and it got over like crazy, but there was a lot of jealousy and animosity backstage. And, and I just didn't want to be around that. Then when they called me this last time and said, we want you to run our company, 
that was attractive to me. And I figured it was time. We've been friends all these years and we've never really done anything. We might as well give it an honest to God shot. And that's kind of how that went. So has it changed? I, I don't know because I wasn't involved, right? So I, the only thing I tried to do was give my experience and motivate the guys and give the new talent a platform and an opportunity, which in wrestling is impossible. But I did it. And I did it with pride. I made the company money. I created about 20 new stars. And uh, I, I was, I'm proud of that. Very, very proud of it. One final question, actually, for both of you. Both of you grew up outside of Mexico, but ended up living there and becoming fans of Lucha Libre. What was about it? What was it about Lucha Libre and the Mexican culture that drew you to to want to have careers and lives there? Oh, for me, it was with the girls with dark skin. That's what kept me. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's something about la, la mujer latina que es morena, que no, no, you know, that just makes you a different kind of guy. But when I was growing up in the early 80s, there was nowhere else to go for wrestling. There was Japan, Calgary, or Memphis, or Mexico. And I just thought, you know, after living in Los Angeles and playing in bands and all that kind of stuff, and Mexico was so exotic, it was like something out of this universe, Memphis, that's pretty easy. Or Calgary, uh, who wanted to go there? Or Japan, you couldn't get in unless you were brought there. And I just went to Mexico. I, I, I Let's see, what year is this? Yeah, I'm just statue of limitation stuff. Um, <laughs> I did something, and I got the resources to leave. So I left. Because all my friends were dying in the gang life, overdoses, prison, murders, all that kind of stuff. And I thought, I wasn't raised this way. I'm smarter than this. I got to get out of here and I, and uh, take a leap of faith because God has kept me alive for a reason. And it, I showed up in Mexico 1989, New Year's Eve, with my pack sack and $60. And uh, I didn't have a plane ticket home. And I, that, that's, and I stayed. And that was it. Michael, what about you? I mean, you spent some time in, in Mexico writing for Super Luchas. And, and... Uh, it was... Um... It's a it's a couple I guess it's a few things. I mean, as a kid, I remember watching Luis Martinez, uh, old old time wrestler who was living in Canada. I remember seeing him and and he would shout Arriba and you know and just the way he had that passion and all that sort of stuff like that. And that was my first introduction as you know into sort of you know just this Mexican wrestling, uh, and it always stuck with me. And then I and as I grew older, you know, seeing. Uh, Ray Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and and all those guys, you know, being in, you know, when when, when that sort of that boom hit just before, I guess maybe around WCW, but just before that when it was just starting to, I saw that and I was just and I just I just loved it, right? And I always and I think the biggest thing was I I loved it, the I loved the the culture and I loved the tradition of of lucha, you know, the mask, the, the there's 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 something honorable about it. That is always, I found always just sort of, you know, attractive. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's the culture, the, the, definitely there's, there's an honor or something that I just thought was awesome. Um, very noble. And, um, yeah. And, and then very similar to Vampiro, I met someone from Guadalajara and, you yeah, know, you're similar and it, from me, huh? All right. Exactly. <laughs> and I, 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 I guess it's the same, you know, yeah, I ended up in Mexico, in Mexico city, you know, and, and, uh, married my wife, uh, uh, who's Mexican as well. So it's very, very similar. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I love it. I, I love the culture and, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the coolest, uh, Lucha for me is the coolest thing ever. 
Well, we know that you both have a lot going on with promoting this documentary. Uh, so thank you so much for taking the time to speak with Dusty and I as part of the Lucha Central Weekly podcast. Um, Nail in the Coffin is released in limited theaters, correct? Starting uh, September 4th and will be available on major video on demand and digital platforms uh, starting on Tuesday, September 8th. Any final words for uh, our listeners? Um, about the documentary that you'd like to share? I, I'm, I would I'll say thank you uh, for the opportunity to share some of my life with you. Uh, the more people that know about how much I love my daughter, the better, because it's just a bright light in the world, and I hope that that, that influences people to reevaluate their own situations. You know what I'm saying? Because we're only here for a short period of time, and if there's somebody who cares about you, then give it your all. You know what I'm saying? It could be your partner, your friends, your neighbors. But if it's your kids, your, your, your kids look to you like they're idols. They trust you with their life. They're, they don't know what's going on. They're, they're so full of fear every day. Even when they're rebellious, that's when they need you the most. And, and I was robbed of that opportunity to be a full-time dad. You know, my marriage fell apart, and I didn't get to be with them. The only reason I stayed alive and didn't end up going to the other side was because I had a daughter. And I, and I cherished every weekend, every second, every phone call, every birthday card, every single thing that I could, watching from afar, having to go to birthday parties and seeing her with her stepdad, you know, Christmas times, I'd only get to call her after dinner, all that shit. So the fact that I got to make this movie, and even if I died on screen, I wouldn't care, because it was just one more opportunity to, 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 to love my daughter that much more. I, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but if you haven't, if you have a child, they come first. Fuck your ego, your job, your career, your friends, whatever it is you got going on in your life. It doesn't mean a goddamn thing. That young person who looks up to you and needs you, you best be there. That's that's the only reason you're here now. If you're an adult and you have kids, right? So that's. Uh-huh. I'm just grateful I've had the opportunity to share that with you. Yes. No, I, I think that that message overall transcends everything. It, it transcends careers, goals, all of that. So thank you so much for, you know, Ian, for uh, allowing the cameras to, to share that. And for Michael, for, for putting this together, uh, for really pushing this, because I think it seems obvious that you know, Michael was a lot of this driving force behind it. He saw that there was a story to tell. Uh, and as fans, I think we are so appreciative uh, that the story has been told. So thank you once again, gentlemen, for joining us on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank, thank you, you very take much. Take care. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the movie. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was our interview with Ian Hodgkinson, known as Vampiro, and director Michael Patz. Uh, and a beautiful thing I think about this documentary too is, of course, the 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 way that Lucha Libre is expressed in this uh, documentary. We see the good, we see the bad. Uh, we're, you know, behind the scenes of uh, Triple Mania 25, the 25th anniversary of Triple Mania, um, as Michael talks about, really mm-hmm. unprecedented access uh, that he got in filming that event and um, Vampiro's story about, you know, coming up in the Lucha Libre scene in Mexico and uh, the fandom behind it. So this is a great uh, documentary, not only just on the subject of Vampiro, but for anyone who's a Lucha Libre fan, um, 
you know, this this is a, a must-watch documentary. So it is now available on streaming. Um, I'm aware that you can get it on Amazon Prime Video. Um, it's available for purchase or rental. Uh, I'm sure other streaming platforms uh, that you can stream it now. And let us know your thoughts on the documentary Nail in the Coffin, The Fall and Rise of Vampiro. And next, Brendan... Why don't you tell our lovely listeners more about LuchaCentral.com? Hey, I can do that. So if you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com yet, it's definitely time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards. Seen and read by top executives and all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. On top of all of that, it's free. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. And also on LuchaCentral.com is This Day in Lucha Libre History, which we put together for you every week as This Week in Lucha Libre History. That's right. Now it's time for This Week in Lucha Libre History. Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre history by Pep Carrera for information, birthdays, anniversaries, and amazing videos all about Lucha Libre. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week I chose September the 7th, 2010, when Mascara Dorada, now known to WWE fans as Grand Metalik, won the CMLL World Welterweight Championship for the first time in his career after beating Negro Casas at the Arena Mexico in Mexico City. This was a Tuesday night show, and this was a special match. After he won, Mascara Dorada became the first ever quadruple champion in CMLL history. After winning the welterweight title, he also held, or you know, it consecutively held the Mexican National Trios Championship, the CMLL World Trios Championship, and the CMLL World Super Lightweight Championship. So he was, if you don't know him from his time in Mexico, definitely check him out. Check this match out. He was heavily yeah. decorated in CMLL and a very big deal. And mm-hmm. and one of the best, like when he walks on the ropes and stuff during matches, it's just so good. He has a pop-up power bomb as a finisher in this match that is stunning and would make Kevin Owens cry in frustration and shame. <laughs> and it is so good. And he just, yes, everybody check this out. It was the match of the day earlier this week. Some of you may have already seen it, but if you haven't, go back and check it out. Do yourself a favor. I watched a little bit of it when it was match of the day. Little tiny bit of trivia too. Uh, he is the only person who is uh, named after a, a another wrestler to go in the direction that it has. Most of the time, you'll have mm-hmm. you'll have a, a uh, heavyweight or welterweight competitor, and you'll have a mini version of them, like La Partita or 
uh, some of that, but this is the first time where he was named after a minis wrestler mm-hmm. and uh, yes. had to had to live into that reputation. And I think he did just mm-hmm. fine. Oh, he absolutely did. Yeah, Mascarita de Grada. That that was a he left a lot to live up to, obviously, because he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like maybe one, if not the greatest, definitely one of the greatest minis ever. And so. That was actually a big sign of their approval of him, too, to give him that moniker and that character. Yeah, exactly. What did you pick this week, Brendan? Uh, so this week I chose September 13th, 2014, where Averno won the Blue Panthers hair in a hair versus hair match. This is from one of the CMLL shows. This is uh, CMLL three shows. This was the 80th anniversary show in Arena, Mexico. Uh, so I kind of like this because we're building up to anniversary and this is one of the classic style matches you usually expect is two big names in, in a puestas match. And uh, you have two guys here who work very different styles in Averno and Blue Panther. Blue Panther very much a, a mat grappler. And, uh, Averno was kind of a brawler and with a bit of flame. It's, uh, it's a fantastic story of styles. Uh, it, it's and was another one of the matches of the day, so people may have seen it. And I, at this point, didn't didn't. Uh, oh yeah, no, Averno won the match, so he got Blue Panther's hair. I think I remember seeing him walking around bald for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, it was. Uh, it's something else. It's a good match, uh, but it, it it's I should but uh, it it's a good match, and and it's a great part of the history. We may not get a, a Puestas match this year. It's not. So far, one's not on the card, but uh, you still can look forward to the, this kind of high stakes at the anniversary show. And Miranda, what did you choose? Yeah, so I picked September 11th, 2014, when the Lucha Dragons, Kalisto and Sincara, won the NXT Tag Team Championships uh, after beating the Ascension at NXT TakeOver Fatal 4-Way. Um, and this was something that I had kind of forgotten about, um, because I think so much has happened in NXT over the past few years, um, that, and this was also a period, I mean, we've talked about it with, you know, people moving from NXT onto Raw or SmackDown, you know, what that transition looks like and, you know, what happens with their characters, the placement on the card, but this was a really, a, a fun match to watch, not very long. And I think, too, at this time, you know, NXT was still finding its identity. Now, NXT is fairly synonymous with fantastic tag team matches, especially on takeovers. I mean, we were, uh-huh. you know, we didn't talk about it this week. It's not really Lucha related, but FTR winning the AEW Tag Team Championship. I mean, that that was really because of what they were able to do in NXT um, and Definitely. other amazing tag teams in DIY, the Undisputed Era. Um, so many really great tag teams. And this was a, a great match. It wasn't very long. It actually opened the show. Um, and two, this was, I think, really a, a highlight for Kalisto and Sincara. I mean, they were viewed as a serious tag team. 
Um, they had to go through a kind of a mini tournament in order to get this far, um, mm-hmm. beating the Vaude Villains, which at the time were, you know, growing to be a big tag team and future tag team champions themselves. Um, they also beat Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy, which, you know, they had a really good run. Uh, but this was, you know, I think a, a career highlight for their run in NXT. And they beat the Ascension, who had the longest reign as tag team champions at that point at 364 days. So that was a huge deal for them to beat the Ascension. Um, they were tag team champions for about four months until they lost those titles uh, to Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy in January 15th of 2015. Um, and again, they lost the the they um, they faced them again um, at uh, Takeover Revival, and at that point, that was kind of the their last run um, with the tag team title uh, uh, race. Um, but uh, they really sold uh, the Selena Del Sol uh, from from Kalisto. Like that was the move that won pretty much all of their matches uh, to get to that point, and was the final, the finishing move uh, for them in, in this match in gaining the NXT Tag Title. So, um, you know, maybe not the golden period of NXT Tag Team uh, Division, but uh, one of the reasons why I think it became as successful and. To showcase, again, NXT. I mean, they can do things with talent that just seem to work so well and so organically. The crowd loved it. The the feel in the audience was fantastic. And it did feel like a true underdog story and them winning. So um, uh, there is a clip, I believe, uh, on that for September 11th uh, that you'll be able to watch. And if not, you can always watch it on the WWE Network um, for TakeOver Fatal 4-Way. <laughs> Well, that was this week in Lucha Libre history. Again, make sure to go to luchacentral.com and view this day in Lucha Libre history. Let us know your thoughts. What was your favorite event uh, this week in Lucha Libre history? Feel free to share with us on social media. And, of course, uh, some of the matches do have uh, videos tagged with them. Um, And you can also view the Lucha Central YouTube channel for some of that content as well. Um, And next. A commercial from one of our partners, TheChairShot.com. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And a big thank you to TheChairShot.com. That's always nice to hear from you. Always use your head indeed, and not for beating up a turnbuckle. Uh, (laughs) This is the part where I get to throw to Miranda, because I believe you have a bunch of news about Impact, or some news. Yes, yes. So, of course, every Tuesday we have Impact Wrestling on Access TV. Um, You know, we were just talking about them earlier on the case that NXT does change uh days that uh Tuesday days to be a little busy. Uh but yes, we did have some very great lucha action, um lucha libre related action on this week's impact on Access TV. Uh the first being a matchup uh that featured uh Taya Valkyrie. Um all of the cast from Wrestle House are now back on the impact zone. If you don't know what Wrestle House is I'll explain it to you later. It was a thing that happened. Um, 
It was fun. It was fun. It was it was a lot of fun. If you love stupid wrestling, that was really what Wrestle House was. Um, and, and I don't mean stupid in a bad way. I mean stupid haha. Um, so it was stupid haha stuff. But uh, Tasha Steeles and Kiara Hogan actually interjected themselves. So as a result of the events of Wrestle House, uh, Rosemary and Johnny Bravo are getting married. And of course, who inserts herself into the wedding? Taya Valkyrie. So Taya is helping plan this wedding between Rosemary and Johnny Bravo. Um, however, Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan came up to Johnny Bravo and said, you know what? You got to stand up for yourself, man. Taya's going to walk all over you. You know, you got to make your own decisions. It's your wedding. Well, they confronted Taya about it and she was having none of it. And so, uh, she and Tasha Steeles had a match this week, which was great. Two women with attitude in the ring. I mean, what else could, could you really ask for? Um, a great performance by both. Um, Tasha Steeles is still fairly new to the Impact Knockouts roster, so this was a great showing against a veteran. Um, Taya did win uh, with the road to Valhalla. Um, however, this did set up another match for next week because you can't take out one without the other. So next week we are going to have Tasha, um, sorry, Taya Valkyrie versus versus Kiara Hogan. Um, again, that will be a very yeah, yeah, that's going to yeah. be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. We also had uh, TJP versus Chris Bay uh, to determine the new number one contenders for the X Division Championship. Uh, several weeks ago, Rohit Raju uh, won the title in a triple threat match. Um, oh. I know. This is. <laughs> they're still, they're still, we're still up in arms about this. I'm so shocked. 2020 has shocked me. Um, yes. And Rohit uh, had mentioned that if TJP wanted to get a title shot sooner rather than later, he needed to beat Chris Bay, which he did. I mean, both of these guys, a, a really great matchup. I mean, very, uh, you know, um, very fast pace, um, lots of good sequences throughout the match. Um, and, you know, TJP has uh, some, some lucha uh, background and training. Um, I mean, the X division itself um, is a lot of similarities and, and um, influence from Lucha Libre. So this was a great match. You see, it, also a change in Chris Bay. He's not here to play anymore. Um, you, you, he was very adamant about that in, in his facial expressions and his attitude. Um, so that we'll wait to see. But TJP did win. Um, so he is now the new number one contender for the X Division Championship. And then finally, we are continuing to see a program between Willie Mack and the most professional wrestler, Brian Myers. Uh, Brian and Willie Mack had a match last week in which Brian won. And, you know, for those who did watch it, maybe not under the most clean circumstances. Uh, but Brian invited Willie Mack into the ring to shake his hand. You know, and, and be be a professional and shake his hand. Well, Willie Mack came out and said, I'm not here to shake your hand. I'm here to wrestle. Um, so they had another match. Um, and again, Brian used some uh, interesting tactics to win. Um, but now he has another win over Willie Mack. So uh, this doesn't seem to be the end of Brian Myers and Willie Mack, especially if Brian continues to use uh, maybe some of the most not professional tactics to win his matches. Um, and we said it before, Willie Mack, I mean, his versatility is insane. He can really go with anyone. And Brian Myers, I mean, a, 
a lot of us saw him back in WWE, um, but he's wrestled more in just his past few weeks uh, at Impact than we've ever seen him in WWE. So, um, you know, we'll see where this goes, but uh, Willie Mack was on our TVs again, and, you know, we were just blessed with a great Willie Mack match. So, um yeah, we again. I say for next week, uh, Taya and Kira Hogan is a match to to keep your eyes out for. Um, that's going to be something I, I'm sure will be um, something that I'll be talking about next week. Um, and again, you know, the the knockout decision is something that still is very underrated, but is a stellar women's division in pro wrestling. Um, you know, AEW still has some ways to go, and I'll say it till the cows come home. I believe that, and for, for a promotion like Impact that, you know, flies under the radar a lot, their women's division is phenomenal. And it's because, you know, really now a veteran like Taya, who's been on the roster for several years now, was actually coming up on her anniversary, I think, when she debuted in 2017 um, with Impact. So, um you know, good, good, good on Impact Wrestling. Jill, any thoughts on this week's Impact? I know we never really get to talk about it, but I want to give you each a chance to, to share any thoughts you have. Um, I'm just always excited to see Taya win. My right. funny moment was we, what my grandmother was here when we watched it, and she said, that Taya sure has a nice body. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, she does. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So that was my favorite moment of the week. <laughs> yes. Her fur coat this week, too. She's wearing oh my the blue with yes. the white, always in style. Like, she... She always looks like a million dollars. Yes. Every La time Loca, she comes out. Yes. She knows how to dress 100%. Oh, and she's got, like, a sneaker collection that's beyond compare. Taya is very... She's got her own fashion line. She's yes. very fashion savvy and fashion forward and understands the presentation better than almost anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Dusty pretty much covered where I was going to go. I mean, I'm always happy to see Taya on television. <laughs> Me too. Uh, she's, uh, she's one of my, one of the reasons that I w- was watching more AAA at the time when she was down in mm-hmm. AAA is because I wanted to see the matches she was in. That's where yes. I, I really gravitated away from CMLL to AAA is because she was on that product. So I, I'm excited that she's on, on uh, American television, even if it's a little hard for me to catch because they're, I don't have TV. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's, that's always my favorite part. And she's uh, to something we said before, having her out of wrestle house and wrestling matches that are more about, I want to fight you instead of uh, what, zany wrestle house stipulations uh are are uh is a nice change tonight and mm-hmm. i like i enjoy yeah. seeing her work in more of what is her style shall we say yes yeah and again interacting with with other uh wrestlers uh that we haven't seen her interact with before um mm-hmm. that that concept of wrestle house was actually a nice break because they could have easily jumped into these matches. I mean, we complained about WWE doing the same matches with Andrade and Angel and the Street Profits literally for two months. I think Impact did have a unique approach where Russell House took some people out of the Impact Zone for a while, and now you're reintegrating them and you're putting them in matchups that feel fresh. So, yeah, yeah I think it did. I think it did. Well, 
Ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, of course, to go to luchacentral.com, which is your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You get results of events. You get news stories. uh, You get lots of cool content and information at your fingertips. And you can also follow Lucha Central on and, of course, you got to go to the YouTube page. Lots of great interviews uh, done by Denise Salcedo. Uh, lots of great matches. Again, the partnership with some of the other promotions in Mexico. You can see some of those matches and, and shows uh, on the Lucha Central YouTube page. And, of course, we got our own social media accounts as well. So, Dusty, let our listeners know where they can find you. I'm on Instagram uh, at Dusty Murphy, and I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. Or if you search for me, I'm the only Dusty Murphy wearing a Caristico mask. I hope there's no other Dusty Murphy that listens and they're like, so. (laughs) Instant (laughs) followers. All I have to do is buy a Caristico mask. uh, And then first figure out who's Caristico. And (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, Brendan, where can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, well, I am on Instagram as well, but as has been well documented, I don't spend a lot of time there. Uh, a 321 t-shirt guy on Instagram, also 321 t-shirt guy on Twitter, where I seem to spend a lot of my time, especially the past couple of weeks, just enjoying people being silly. Like, yeah. it seems like Twitter is into a nice silly place instead of the, the dark and snarky place that it can be. Oh, so. so cool, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you. Yes, uh, Brennan is still our, our resident Twitter guy, so if anyone wants to reach out to any of us, you're going to have to go, go through Brennan. <laughs> I will happily take your, your messages, and I will read the even, – even though I have, I have a message in my inbox on Instagram from uh, one of our regular listeners, uh, if you're uh, more likely to read, read it quickly on, uh, on Twitter. Yeah. And, of course, me, Miranda Morales, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the hashtag Miranda. The hashtag is spelled out, the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook. Let us know your thoughts on the show. Feel free to give us a shout-out. We are still accepting names for our trios group. Uh, We still haven't closed the door on that. We've taken a little bit of a hiatus, but we are still looking for ideas. So feel free to message any of us on social media with your ideas for a trios name. And, of course, while you're listening to the show uh, on your favorite platform, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Speaker, Podbay, or iHeartRadio, go ahead and subscribe. That way you know you get an alert every time this podcast drops. Uh, you can also subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network so you can get notifications anytime a new podcast drops. You can also rate and review, so let us know. Give us as many stars as you would like and review. Let us know what you think of the show, any topics that you think we should cover in the future, any things that you think would be cool for us to discuss. Let us know. For Brendan Barr and Dusty Murphy, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you so much, and we will be back next week on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast.